Well, good morning and happy Easter. Thank you so much for being here. And I want to say hello to those that are across the hallway in our additional seating area and also those that are watching online. Before we begin today, I think it would be very appropriate for us to pray for our brothers and sisters on the other side of the world. Uh, There was an attack in some churches this morning. And when I left this morning, it said that there were over 200. I haven't heard the latest count, but over 200 have died. Can you bow your heads with me for just a second? Father, as we even reflect asking this question, who is this man? We know there are some on the other side of the world in Sri Lanka that were doing what we're doing here, celebrating this day. And Lord, their lives were senselessly taken. And so, Father, today, these are our brothers and sisters, and we pray that you will comfort their families, that you will be with them. And Lord, most importantly, we pray that the senseless killing would stop. We love you. And we thank you that we live in a country where we have the opportunity to worship, to worship in a public gathering, and to give praise to your incredible name. We love you, Father. In your name we pray, amen. The question that's posed in that video that you just saw is an important one, and my heart's desire today is that that would be oh so much more than a trivia question to you, that you wouldn't just say, oh yeah, I know that one because I went to Sunday school back in the day but that there would be something about it that resonates and connects in your heart. If you're like me, I'd be willing to bet you are that you love a good story. Do you like a good story? And so if someone says, oh, I read this book and it's a great novel and you need to check it out, it's likely that you're gonna say, tell me a little more because you're gonna wanna know if that should be a book that you should buy. Or if someone says, I saw this amazing movie and the story was incredible and you have to, you have to make sure that you go see it. Tell me some more because we love a good story. And, and a story moves from a good story to a great story when something unique happens in the context of it, when, when the characters and the people and the relationships and the predicaments, the circumstances, sometimes the tragedy, the pain and the loss, even the victory, the celebration and the overcoming connect with us, when they connect with our hearts. These elements of a good story are what lead us into an experience of some kind and turn it into a great story. It's amazing when the story captures your heart. And that happens when we begin to connect with the story emotionally and, and sometimes even when we find ourselves in the story somehow. It's an incredible experience and once you've been there, uh, you long to experience it again. And I can tell you as much as I love to hear a good story or watch a good story or read a good story, I love to tell a good story. Because I love what it does in the lives of those that get a chance to hear the story. I like to see eyes getting wider and I like to see heart connection and to feel that. And so we find ourselves here this weekend celebrating Easter. And we have to agree today, this, this is an amazing story. This is an incredible one. And I hope that there's been a time in your life when you've been captured by it. And I hope as well that it's not just one time, but I hope even this year you've been captured by the reality of this story again. I want that to happen today because, yeah, it's a holiday. It's a day that's on the calendar, and uh, it's, it's a day that we all get dressed up, right? And we're going to take some pictures. Hopefully you get a picture out in the atrium today. It's a time to gather with friends and family, and it's a time to share a great meal together Our kids are excited about the Easter bunny and Easter egg hunts and peeps. Are you a peeps person? Me? I'm not. Some of you are like, no, I'm not. My sister, Emily, is a huge peeps person. 
I like jelly beans better. I like jelly beans and chocolate. That would be fine with me. Um, This is a historical event, and we are celebrating today not a good story. We're celebrating a great story. And I hope this story has impacted you personally. So anyone that's trying to do a good job communicating anything today, in preparation for that, you got to do what I did. So I Googled Easter. I Googled Easter, and in uh, .76 seconds, I got 912 million responses. Imagine that. I've read them all. Read them all. No, I'm just kidding. I have not read them all. But what I do want to read to you today is a definition, a definition of Easter that feels to me very textbook, and it also feels like it's missing something. So why don't you see if you would agree with me? Easter. The most important and oldest festival of the Christian church, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ and held between March 21st and April 25th on the first Sunday after the first full moon following the northern spring equinox. Now listen, I know what you're thinking, like, ooh, I just learned some things I didn't know about Easter. I did too. But if you're like me, you're thinking, wait a minute. As cool as that is, it helps us set where it's going to land somewhere on a calendar, but it's missing a bunch. Don't you think? That is missing a bunch. Great definition falls a little short. To really understand Easter, we need to go back to the question that that video that you just saw posed to us. We have to go back to this first question, who is this man? Who is this Jesus? He was a son. He was a sibling. He had brothers and sisters. He was a friend. He was a carpenter and became a Jewish rabbi or a teacher. He was a miracle worker. He was a mentor to many. Some thought that he was their Messiah, thinking that that meant that he would be a military leader perhaps with the power and the ability to deliver the nation of Israel from the Roman Empire. Others saw him as an enemy or a threat. On the day we call Good Friday, there are many that saw him as a criminal and as a man that had been executed. In the weeks leading up to Easter, we as a church have been in this series where we've been taking a look at seven different statements that Jesus made while he was hanging on the cross. It's been in a a really great series that's helped us to learn a little bit more about who he is, that he was the son of God, that he has a heart to forgive. Imagine even forgive the people that were crucifying him on the cross that day, that he was human, just like you and I experienced the same things we do, and that he loved the people in his life deeply, that ultimately he became the sacrifice or the penalty for our sin. You know what I really like about Jesus? I like that he was a finisher, that he finished the task at hand, that he came and he did what his heavenly father had sent him here to do. We learned as well that he really died. To understand who he really was, we also need to understand the implications of his death in the lives of the people that were there It's important for us to reconnect with this because we need to be reminded that those were real people with real emotion. Think about his family and friends for just a second. It's likely that you've lost someone that you cared about deeply. Imagine what they must have been feeling. Broken, 
scared, fearful, emotionally crushed? How about those that called themselves his followers? Have you ever thought about what they would have been feeling? Confused? Disappointed? They're feeling grief. They're feeling conflicted, defeated. How about this uncertain? Don't you think that they probably even began to question some of the things that Jesus had taught? And how about his enemies? What do you think they were thinking? They were thinking they were victorious. But now let's just pause from the story for a second. And aren't you glad that that's not where the story ends? That's not where this story ends. And that's why we're here today. Imagine this, if you will, two thousand over 2000 years later here we gather in castle rock colorado by masses to celebrate a story that happened a long time ago and i don't know where you are on your faith journey i don't know where you are in terms of this relationship with the lord thing but you'd have to agree with me that this event this story this great story that we're talking about today impacted history Because here we are still talking about it all these years later. So I want to take you to that first Easter Sunday morning. Some ladies decided that they were going to go to the tomb where they had buried Jesus. Mark says this in Mark 16, starting in verse 2. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up. And saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid the body. You're right, whoever was that. That was awesome. And you know, I think sometimes we get to this part and we've heard the narrative and we know the story, you know what I'm going to talk about today, and we kind of get lulled to sleep in the middle of the greatness of the story and we forget the context. We forget that Jesus came, that he was real and that he had flesh and blood and that he hurt and and that he went through all that he went through growing up and learning and teaching and, uh, and doing these miracles and then to the cross and the pain and When we talk about this story, listen, you have to agree with me. This is the best story ever. This is an incredible story. It's so much more than a holiday or a day on a calendar. It's way more than us getting dressed up and going to church. We looked at the things over the last several weeks that Jesus said while he was hanging on the cross. This Easter, I want to do something different. I want to look at the two questions, two questions that were asked to those that were there that first Easter Sunday. And I believe there's something in these questions that that also you and I must answer. And that in answering these questions, they're going to help us understand. They're going to understand more who is this man, but they're also going to help us understand that we have a part in this story as well. And I wonder, if you look at your life for just a second, I'll bet you're like me. You, You ask a lot of questions. You're trying to figure things out just like I'm trying to figure things out. Like what What is this life really all about? Where do I find meaning and purpose? And how do I have value in all of this? Where do I find hope regardless of life's circumstances? And I would contend today that maybe what we're looking for can ultimately be found here in this amazing Easter story. So I want you to see these two questions with me. 
Starting in Luke chapter 24, again, these women that came to the tomb that day, look at verse 5. The women were terrified, and they bowed with their faces to the ground. And then the men, the angels, asked, now listen, look carefully at this question. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? When I read these stories, what I like to do is try and imagine myself, put myself into the different spots of the different people and the different uh, characters that are part of the story. And so this time I looked at it in terms of like, what would it must have been like to be an angel, right? These guys, they knew the plan from the beginning, right? They know what's going down. They know the tomb is empty, and so these ladies come to the tomb. Now imagine those ladies. They're grieving, a sense of loss. They're hurting. Their hearts are overwhelmed with everything that's going on, and they're looking into a tomb that used to have their friend in it, and the angels are like, isn't that great? And they're crying, so their question is this. Why are you guys crying? Because they know something that these ladies don't yet know, and they ask this great question that we need to ask ourselves too, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? And I'm here today to tell you that this is a question that we must ask ourselves because we do the same thing all the time. In our pursuit to try and find answers for life, what is this about to find meaning and purpose? We're looking for life in ways and things that only ultimately bring more questions. And we pursue these things and give our lives to them only to find that it hasn't fulfilled us the way that we thought that they would. We get to these spots where we begin to think to ourselves, there, see if you haven't asked, there has to be something more, doesn't there? Because this seems relatively empty to me. I need to find some kind of purpose. And so if we're not careful, when we're looking for life among things that really don't bring life, It leads to disappointment. And we do this in all kinds of ways. Maybe it's relationships that you think will bring meaning to life, and they do a little. Or how about living kind of vicariously through our children or the pursuit of finances? Maybe it's your job or being able to be a person that has some kind of recognition. You see, we do these things, and if we're not careful, we find ourselves at the end of a very long road trying to find purpose. And sometimes it feels like we've totally missed it. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Now I want to jump to John's recording of this, and I want you to read with me Mary's experience, because to me, this one is awesome. In John chapter 20, verse 11, it says that Mary, she was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and she looked in, and she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. And again... These angels, looking from a completely different perspective, ask Mary, woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. So I tried to put myself in her situation. What did Jesus look like the last time she saw him? He was beaten. He was bruised. He was hung on a cross, and he was dead. So her paradigm of what she's looking for, what you're going to see play out in this story, is incredible. Try and imagine what she must have been thinking and feeling. And so she responds and she says, because now she's so perplexed because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. Now look, she continues. She, in verse 14, she turns to leave that spot where she had stooped in to look at the tomb. And it looks, she turned to leave and saw someone standing there out of the corner of her eye. Look at this. It was, who was it? Jesus. Who's she looking for? Jesus, 
But she has no, and neither would we have any paradigm that this would even be possible. The last time she saw him, he was hanging dead on a cross. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. You know, I was thinking about that. Isn't that true for your life and my life too? That oftentimes, life's circumstances and situations get so complicated, get so overwhelming, that we get so fixated on our own circumstance and situation, and we totally miss the presence of Jesus right there in the middle of it all. You see, we can find ourselves in this story. This is the last, she, maybe she was overwhelmed with emotion. Her eyes uh, are filled with tears. The risen Jesus is standing right in front of her and she misses it. You see, the, what we celebrate today is Jesus' victory that can be our victory and you don't want to miss this. So now you have to see how awesome this story plays out. And if you just think about it for a second, put your, like, what do you think it was like to be Jesus in this moment? And he's like, oh, dear, sweet Mary, I love you so much. You just missed that this was me standing here. Scriptures tell us that she thought that he was a gardener. Look at this. Look at verse 15. He says to her, think about this, dear woman. Now he asks, why are you crying? And here's the question I want you to see. Jesus asked her the question that you and I need to answer to who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? This question is vital. It was vital for her. It's for me. It's vital for you. It's vital. Think about your life for just a minute and be honest with yourself. Look at your life. Look at your calendar. Look at where you invest your time, your talents, and your interests. Think about what preoccupies the most of your time and ask the question, who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? Where are those answers to value and purpose and understanding the true meaning of life? Because I need to tell you today that this question is one that I need to ask myself every day. And it's a question that we need to ask ourselves this weekend. Who are we looking for? Look at verse 15. This is great. It gets awesome. She thinks that he's the gardener. That's awesome. This Jesus, the risen Jesus is standing in front of her. She thinks it's the gardener. Now look at how hilarious this is. Sir, she said, if you have taken him, who's him? Him. If you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. <laughs> you got to know that in this moment, Jesus is smiling right here. He might even be like, his shoulders might be kind of going up and down because he's like, this is so great, right? And I want you to notice what it was that broke through all of Mary's confusion. Look at verse 16. Mary, Jesus said. And in that moment, when she heard him say her name, she turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which is Hebrew for teacher. She knew immediately who it was when he called her name. Who was this man? What is Easter? These are vitally important questions. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Who is it that you and I are looking for? I want to read to you a couple of verses that, that are declarative statements from Jesus himself as he describes who he is. Listen carefully. John chapter 12, verse 46. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world. Can I stop there for just a second and tell you this morning when I picked up my phone and saw of these killings of over 200 people in Sri Lanka, I was reminded of the darkness in our world. Jesus said, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. 
In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. John 10, 10, he said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So what is Easter? Look at what Jesus said. It's about us experiencing a life that outside of him we can't experience. And everyone is searching for life somewhere. God has placed this quest deep inside of us. We're all trying to figure this out. And I believe with all of my heart that the reason that we have this passion to figure this out inside of us is because he wants us to find him. He wants us to learn that the answer is in him. Sadly, in our lifelong quest to try and figure this out, many ignore the Lord. And we look for life where it can't be found, only to find ourselves with some relative emptiness. And it's important to realize that we can only find this in one of two places. Either you find this in the fullness in the life of Jesus, or you spend your life trying to find this fullness in things that our world offers. And there was a man that was stuck in this pursuit, just like you and I, and he was trying to figure this out, and he was making all kinds of crazy decisions that were leading to emptiness. And he had an experience where he began to understand differently what life really was about. And, and as he was trying to explain this journey, this pursuit that we're all on, he wrote something amazing that I want to read to you today. It's found in Romans chapter 1, verse 25, and it says this, They traded the truth of God for a lie. And they worshipped, look, they worshipped and served the things that God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. What is the lie? It's the lie that says that a, that a true, a true heart-satisfying life can be found anywhere outside of the creator. This is one of the cruelest lies ever told, and if you believe it, you're going to chase some things that ultimately are going to lead to an emptiness and a discouragement. And maybe you've even found yourself there in some ways. God alone is able to bring the deepest joy and the contentment that our heart is really longing for. He alone can infuse your heart with hope regardless of your circumstances and situations. And you know, here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid what you're thinking right now is, good job, Pastor Doug. That's what you're supposed to tell us. But I want you to know it's so much more than just what this book says about a story that happened 2,000 years ago. You see, this is a great story. And it's a great story because people have found themselves in the story, and so can you. And it's not only that people have found themselves in this story, but people want to talk about that. People want to share how this story has impacted them, and I want to share that with you. So... Will you look at the screens in front of you, wherever you are, and I want you to hear some of my friends talk about how this story has impacted their lives. Let's watch this together. 